You're listening to the 9 a.m. Sunday School class led by Pastor Greg Voorhees, Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, July 16, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social at svbcfamily. Yeah, I think that was the last one. The I think four was the last one we talked about because that's when we talked about how Pharaoh would have considered himself deity. So I guess we'll pick up on 86. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll pick up on page 86. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this time. God, I just ask that you bless it as we continue to study now in this chapter that we are your witness. Lord, empower us to be your witnesses, your Holy Spirit, to make us the witnesses you want us to be. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. I'm pretty sure where we left off last week was that last question, because we had talked about Pharaoh and, and how, the, uh, how, how they would have considered that, that many leaders, many leaders consider themselves deities. So, you know, in this, this, this battle of wills between Pharaoh and, and, and Moses, actually it was between Pharaoh and God, but with Moses kind of being that, the mouthpiece, you know, Pharaoh would have considered himself a god versus a god and thinking he, was, he would have been capable to hold back or, or, or to, to um, or be better than the living God, which he saw quite quickly that he was not. So let's start out in 86. John 2, 1 through 3 says this, On the third day... There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother said to him, they have no wine. So in Jesus' day, wine was a staple of most, most meals and a must in every celebration. But at this wedding, the wine had run out, a humiliation of epic proportions for the groom's family who was hosting this they really can't downplay how big of a deal this would have been for for us we would have been like dad going we just we ran out of the wine no no it would have been it would have been a failure on the family's part i, I mean they would have actually they would have been looked down upon because they they ran out of wine he, you know this this would have been this would have been like having the um, the church having a picnic and we invited everybody over and i forgot the hot dogs you, you know, and then the whole the whole community goes. Well, that church stinks. They don't even have hot dogs at their 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 picnic. So now magnify that about ten times, and you're going to have the situation that they would have had I don't know, having run out of wine. Can I say something about you, that? You absolutely can. Yeah, I think she, you know, and then he asked, you know, well, <laughs> basically, this is the Greg paraphrase. Well, why are you telling me, you know? She knew what she was doing. It the, wasn't the, uh, like she asked another son, go get the wine. Well, interestingly enough, the, the, the thing I think is interesting about that is it shows how serious Jesus takes the commandment to honor his mother. Because he says, not even my time yet. Right. He, you know, so... But he still, even though even though it wasn't his time, he still honored his mother's request. And I'm sure that looking back, you have to wonder if maybe she ever regretted that, because that may have started that ball rolling just a little bit sooner. Because if Jesus was saying that it wasn't his time yet, 
and she kind of forced his hand. You know, who knows? You, you know, I, I, I don't know how that could have panned out. Maybe she may have had another year or two with him. I don't know. You know, but she did. When she came to him, she, she was making a request to her son that she, she knew he could do something about it. So Jesus' mother took it upon herself to find Jesus and to bring him up to speed. They have no wine, were her words. But her sense of urgency was clear. Help! Jesus', Jesus newly recruited disciples watched as he instructed the servants to fill the jars of water. They did as they were told, which included taking a glass of water to the master of the feast. At some point between the drawing and the giving, the water turned into wine. The party and reputation of his friends were saved, and Jesus and, and witnesses of Jesus' true identity were born. John 2, 6-11. So we're going to look at a few of these characters. How about Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene may or may not have been at the wedding, but being rescued from seven demons and having had, had more than convinced her who Jesus really was. She'd been delivered from death, so, so she followed Jesus to his. She was, in fact, one of the few with him until the very end. But it wasn't just, as, it wasn't just that, initiate, that, that initial miracle that secured Mary's allegiance to Jesus. It grew as she followed him. She listened intently to his teachings, marveled at his compassion, and became fiercely loyal to the one who healed the oppressed and set captives free. The time she spent with him, along with every subsequent miracle, substantiated what she knew. Jesus was God's son, so Mary was his witness. And I think, I think that is true as well as for us. I think the, the longer that we're believers, you know, over the years, especially when we start going into decades, and we've seen, we've seen God come through for us over and over and over and over, that, that, that also substantiates to us who he is. He, you know, and it also should motivate us to want to be his witness as well. You know, it's we know from the Great Commission that it's a, that we're supposed to go, we're supposed to be His witness, we're supposed to be telling telling the world about Him. But the more that we see who He is and how much He cares for us, just like Mary would have seen. Like I said, we don't know if she was at the wedding, but we know that she that she was with Him a lot, and she would have seen things over and over and over. So that, uh, that's probably one of the reasons, in addition to being saved from the demons, why she would have been just about one of the only people with him at the very end. You, you know, that kind of God interacting with us in that way should make us want to be with him all the way to the end. Fortunately for us, there is no end now, you know, because of Jesus. But that was kind of a strange turn of events that was going on, you, you know, I understand, you know, you know. I pat John all the time on the back for being the only apostle at the foot of the cross. But do I really, uh, do do I really condemn the other remaining ten for not being there? You know, because I'm not exactly sure that, given everything that was happening, and and I've talked about this with Peter. You know, why is Peter willing to take on an, an entire legion of soldiers? One minute, and literally like, like an hour and a half later, he's denying Christ. He, you know, they would have been disillusioned. They were thinking, hey, this, this guy was going to deliver us from Rome. And now all of a sudden, he's their captive. You know, he's being beaten and tortured. And, you know, maybe if, if they were maybe the distancing, I don't want that happening to me. You know, who knows? Who knows where they were? 
But I think it's very profound that, that Mary, Mary was there to the end. And, and that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing that uh, I think comes from a relationship with Christ. I, I think that's when you see Jesus do what Jesus does, when you spend time with Jesus, that, 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 that should be cementing some level of loyalty to him. There are many there are many people that preach that 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 the God scattered them for that very reason. You, you know, was was it to preserve them or were they cowards? You, you know, we could, it's only speculation. You, you know, but it's uh, but I know John was there, and, and John wrote some of the John wrote some of the best uh, some of the you know best writings in in my opinion in the Bible, the Book of John. When I was going through seminary, the, the there was only like four four books that we had to do an entire class on. It was an elective, so you, the Book of John was one of the ones I picked because you, you know it's it, it's 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 incredible. It's relational. It's it's all this. Oh yeah. Yeah, who knows? As, as Peter saw him hanging on the cross, you know, the, the Peter gear may have kicked back in and he might have gotten himself killed. You don't know. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it is what it is. Nicodemus, on the other hand, showed glimmers of belief, but we don't know if he ever fully accepted Jesus as Lord. And again, that's not documented. He was, I would, I would bet my entire bank that I've, over my entire life that he was. Because at the end, when he and Joseph from Arimathea they, they they go and ask for the body of Jesus, a, a the, the teacher of Israel who was very much a Pharisee would that would have been a career ender and ender to have to have gone and asked for the body of the of, of the very person the Sanhedrin was worked so hard to kill, you know. So even though we don't have documented proof that that, that Nicodemus became a believer. I think a the fact that he was asked for the body of Christ speaks a lot, and I think the fact that the Jewish people wiping him out of their records speaks a lot. <laughs> you know, that's usually, and that that's a cultural thing, and that goes way back to ancient um, Egypt. I mean, if you messed up, they, they wiped they wiped your name out of everything. I mean, they just they try to make it like you never were ever born. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like they canceled your existence. You, you know, so I, I, I think I think Nicodemus. I think those are all strong indicators that he he had become a believer. The scripture does make it clear that he had an open mind because he requested a secret meeting with Jesus, where he'd asked a bunch of questions. He obviously didn't want the, to be like those who are blind yet have eyes, and those who are deaf who have ears. Going back to Isaiah forty three eight, and he confessed, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. And no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. John 3, 2. But Nicodemus stopped short of knowing and understanding that Jesus was the Son of God, at least at that moment. And there's little more recorded of him in Scripture. Matthew eventually became a follower of Jesus, uh, even writing an eyewitness account in the New Testament of the Gospel of Matthew. While we don't know exactly what caused him to abandon his tax booth the moment he was called, we have a pretty good idea from Matthew's own account. Matthew 9, 1 through 7 and, and 9 says, Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his, to his own city. 
And behold, uh, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on the bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Uh, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth and said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. There is huge things in this little short passage. First of all, um, the blaspheming thing, that would have just like blown the minds of, of the Pharisees. Uh, I mean, it's just like, because they know that only God has the ability to forgive sins. So now Jesus is saying to this, this guy, while the, while the scribes and stuff are watching from a distance, you know, your sins are forgiven. So what, what is he saying? He, he's, he's, he's admitting his deity. So then he does something even bigger. He calls himself the Son of Man. Well, that goes back to Daniel. Because in Daniel's vision, he's, he's, when he saw Christ, you know, a pre-incarnate Christ, he said he looked like the son of, son of God and the Son of Man. And Son of Man is one of, it was actually Jesus' favorite title for himself, we believe, because that's, how he called, that's what he called himself more than anything else, the Son of Man. But, he, but that would have also been, the, the scribes, the Pharisees and the scribes, would have absolutely understood the reference. They would have absolutely understood that he was calling himself that guy in the in, in, in the in the writings of Daniel, he, you know. So this this would have been like this would have been like a mind blowing moment. So then he tells him to get up and walk, and he does, which would have been another mind blowing moment. He, you know, does is that does that incident why Matthew followed? My personal opinion, probably not. Why? Because he was in his tax booth. He, you know, I, I have no. I have no indication that he even saw what happened. But I do know that when God calls your name, sometimes you, you just feel this overwhelming, you know, you're just overwhelmingly compelled to respond. You, you know, it, it may have, he may have seen it, he may have heard it. I, I can't say for sure, but it does say that he passed his, his, his booth. You know, so he, I would say that it was less likely that he saw the miracle as much as when, when God calls your name, I mean, he had to. Have, he had to. Have, he had to have been hearing the stuff that was going on. There was a reason. There was a reason that, that there was even starting crowds starting to gather when when this paralytic thing happened. It's because Jesus was already getting a reputation. He was, the word was getting out. That Matthew would have absolutely heard of him. He he would have heard the, kind of the stuff that was going on. But but whatever the case may be, he responded, and, and that that's that's huge. Let's go back up to this little this little teal thing. So some, just, some suggest that Nicodemus' participation in the burial of Jesus hints at him having become a true believer. It says some, but I, 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 I'm hanging my hat on that. You, you know, you know the, the writer of the study is saying, you know, making some, well, yeah, some people think, no, I, I think you could hang your hat on the fact that he, he was a believer based on that. He wouldn't have asked for the body of Christ. I mean, think about it. the teacher of Israel. That's that's what Jesus called him, which would have made him a a teacher of Pharisees. He would have been 
for Jesus to call him the teacher of Israel, he, he's, he's acknowledging that he was a top dog. You, you know, so he would have been part of the Sanhedrin more, more than likely. So he would have been present during all of these, these discussions, and he would have been present when they were plotting to kill Jesus. But after all that, and they pulled it off, he still goes and asks for the body. Yeah, I mean, he showed great, he, he showed a lot. To me, I think there was speaks volumes that he believed that Jesus, was, even, the, even the soldiers at the cross, when everything, the, the earthquake, well, surely this, <laughs> this was the Son of God. But something to think about, and we've talked about it in here, what's one of the reasons why, what's one of the reasons why the Pharisees and the, and, and the Jews in general would have really struggled with the idea that Jesus was the Son of God? Because they wouldn't, they, and there, there was nothing, the, the Old Testament, we have a, a great view looking back, seeing Jesus all through the Old Testament. Well, we go into it with the foreknowledge that Jesus has a, or that, that God has a son. <laughs> now, at this point, we, we, see, we see all of this, we, we, we see the Son of Man, we, we see a lot of talks of the Messiah, we, we we even we even see back in Genesis, you know, they were already prophesying about the seed of the woman. But do you see anywhere before that where it specifically says that God has a son? So this this would have been a hard pill for them to swallow, because because they could they they would have had a hard time accepting it. the deity of Christ because they are they they are fiercely monotheistic, one God. However, what we understand is that, that Jesus, you know, the, having the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit being so perfectly unified, they're one Godhead. We, we, we get that as not, not violating this idea of monotheism. We do serve one God. There is a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he's one Godhead. You, you know, so it's, it's so much easier for us to understand that because we get to see it from the front side looking back. You, you know, but for them, this would have been this would have been you know blasphemy to even consider that God even had a son. You, you know, so they were they, they had reasons to, to think that Jesus was crazy. Now, now the thing about this was they should have absolutely started to wonder. In, in my opinion, is there some truth to this? Look at the stuff that this guy's doing. You know, he's healing people. There's like blind people seeing. There's deaf people hearing. He raised people from the dead. He, he, you know, so some of them got, some of them had a solution. Whether they, call, they called him Beelzebub, he, you know, the prince of demons. So, so they thought, well, okay, he, you know, we can, God doesn't have a son. So he has to be from on the other side. You know, so they were trying to—they were trying to do anything they could to reconcile in their mind the fact that that, that God even had a son. You, you know, and 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 that's, but what, but Jesus shuts them down, and it's true. He, you know, would would Satan cast out Satan? You know, a, a kingdom divided falls. You know, so he's saying that. So what was he saying? If I was from the the, the devil side, I would be hurting my own self by doing these things. And that's true. You know, because I guarantee you in a world where idols were worshipped so much, I mean, people were quick to jump ship 
on, on God to worship, you know, a wooden idol or a golden idol or something. Now imagine a guy who was doing all these other things and saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm from the other side, but see how powerful I am. Do you imagine what kind of an influence that would have had? So when Jesus said they came to divide the fall, I mean, he's true. It, it, it's, he would not have been doing these things in God's name for the benefit of his kingdom if it were not true. You know, so this there, there would have been so much for them to try to to try to soak in here. But if you look at the if you look at the Old Testament, the, the there was so much they they were reading so much into it. They were there was so much presupposition. The whole thing about Jesus Messiah coming, I won't even say Jesus at this point. We know it was Jesus, but Messiah coming was to deliver them from their oppressor. So who do they think it was? Whoever the human oppressor was. You know, in Jesus' time, they would assume that Messiah was there to save them from, from Rome. You know, if Jesus had come a couple hundred years before that, they would assume that Messiah had come to free them from Babylon. You know, you know, whatever the case may be, that they were looking for Messiah to come to save them from some type of, of, of oppressor. But he did, but it was way bigger than any human oppression. It was way bigger than Rome. It was way bigger than Babylon. It was way bigger than Assyria. It was way bigger than Nazi Germany. It was way bigger than any of these things. Jesus came, Messiah came to save the world from sin and to defeat the devil. And I guarantee you, none of these, we can throw out in the names of all these horrible leaders through times. You know, we, you know we've been talking you know the, the the pharaohs. I mean the Hitlers. All these we could throw all these terrible. None of them hold a candle to the to the depth of the evilness of Satan. So Jesus was here for a bigger mission. He was here to be the bigger enemy. But they couldn't have wrapped their head around that. I mean, think about the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't even. And the Sadducees would have been part of the Sanhedrin. They, they didn't even believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in an afterlife. So so I mean. So now we got a guy who's also saying, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though when you die, you live. This stuff would have been mind-blowing to lots and lots of people. I, I, I mean, this, this, this was like in your face. And for him to call himself the Son of Man and to tell somebody their sins were forgiven, this would have absolutely invoked a strong reaction from the Sanhedrin. And it did. Huh? I mean, they were dead set. You know, this, they were dead set in killing Jesus. Uh, I, I mean, and this, this, was, this was just one piece of the puzzle of all the reasons why they wanted to get rid of him. But those were huge. You, you know, I, I could almost picture, you know, the high priest ripping his garment. That, that was a sign back then when they, like, ripped their garment that, that they were like, oh, my goodness, I am so offended. This is so horrible. It's like, you know, like a, like a hawk thing. You know, just, just so offended, so upset, you know, this horrible blasphemy. And we, we see the high priest do this, you know, later on in, in, in the life of Christ. But this would have been huge. You know, for him to call himself the son of man, everyone there would have understood that this was a reference to Daniel. And, and, this, and that is why it is so important for us to be culturally competent or understand the culture in, in which Jesus was in. Because when we see Son of Man, that doesn't mean a lot to us. We just know that Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. He was calling himself the guy in Daniel's vision. And, and I mean, that would have sparked a reaction. And it, and it did. Absolutely. And, and that was... 
and the only reason, I almost wonder why was the Son of Man? Because he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't physically, a, you know, he wasn't, in fact, the Son of Man. I mean, no man had anything to even do with his conception. But why Son of Man? Why was that so interesting? Have you ever wondered if Jesus just like poking the dragon a little bit? He, you know, by calling himself this, you know, referring to himself as, as the shiny guy in, in Daniel's visions. You know, because Jesus, he liked to stir things up. You know, everywhere he went, he was ticking somebody off. You, you know, not, not for a bad reason. You, you know, sometimes, sometimes it really takes a shaking up to get our attention. And I'm not even just talking about in the first century Judaism when Jesus was there and, and, and he's with Pharisees and Sadducees. Sometimes in our life, our lives, having somebody really jolt us is sometimes the best, is the, is the doctor's best prescription. And Jesus did that a lot. I, I mean, he had, this is the same guy that called the Pharisees a den of vipers or a brood of vipers called them a whitewashed tomb. He said, yeah, you know what? You look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, you're nothing but death and bones. He did. That, that may very well have been, been the human side. The, and, and the reason I almost wonder if it's still not kind of that thing of jolting people to try to catch their attention is because the, our motivation behind the things that we say is the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> you, you, you know, if, the, uh, if, if, if I would call Bill a, a, a viper in a den because I was ticked off at him, you viper. You, you know, that's, that's, that would be the very human side of me because that would be me lashing out. That would be me saying, Bill, you're a turkey. You know, I don't like you, Bill. You, you know, that would... But on the flip side, you know, if I had, if I had Jim back here who, who was just kind of, you know, he was messing up somehow. I'm like, I'm like dude, you're, I, I hear the stuff that you're saying. But check your heart, because you look good on the outside, Jim, but on the inside, it's not so hot. You know, that's, that's a constructive thing. That, that, that's, but that would, have still, that would probably still catch their attention equally. Me calling Bill a, a, a viper, or me telling Jim that he's, he, he's, he's, he's like a whitewashed tomb. But, but, you know, I was trying to catch Jim's attention and, and kind of correct him and show him the air of his ways. I was just being mean to Bill. You know, so it could have been the human side, but it seemed like everything Jesus said, it had a purpose. He still does that. Oh, my goodness. He definitely gets their attention one way or another all the time. Still today. He absolutely does. Uh-huh. It does. You know, the world shakes up the kingdom of Satan. And 
Truth always hurts. <laughs> what? No, oh, yes. Absolutely. It does. The only time the truth doesn't hurt is when when somebody's patting us on the back. But when some, when somebody's being critical to us, it always hurts. But you're right. I, I, I mean that would that would have been Jesus just shooting from the hip with with, with truth and, and truth. When 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 truth is opposed to somebody, it always offends. You, you, you know you you know you're dealing with somebody who's a. And I've done this a lot over the years as, as a cop. You deal with a lot of drunk people. And it's like, you say, hey, man, your, your life's a mess. You, you, you know, that's, that's true, but what kind, of, what kind of response is that going to, you know, you know, I don't care what you think. I've gotten, I've gotten similar responses from similar statements. Like, I mean, I wasn't being mean. I'm like, dude, you got to get your stuff together. That's huge. That also offends because they think, well, your truth doesn't mean that it's true. You know, my truth is just different. Oh, and that brings up a whole, that opens up another entire can of worms. <laughs> you, you know, you, you tell certain lifestyles that they're wrong. And, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. You're wrong. And you hate me. Yes. You, you know, that's, uh, that, that could be, whoo, what could that open some, some cans, some cans of worms. There in the bottom of 87 says, but perhaps Matthew witnessed the miracle that preceded his calling. Perhaps he believed Jesus had the power to forgive many sins. Whatever the catalyst, Matthew's eyes and ears were opened. When the moment came, he dropped everything to follow Jesus and became a faithful witness for the rest of his life. Now, Simon Peter, Simon, who believed that uh, what he'd seen and heard, and he was likely one of the disciples in attendance. He was he was likely in attendance at the wedding of Cana. No doubt, when seeing the water change into wine, on, on top of the miraculous catch of those fish, confirmed his newfound faith that Jesus was the Messiah. For the next three years, Simon solidified his allegiance to Jesus, along with his willingness to boldly take God's message of salvation to the ends of the earth. And here's the point. Followers of Jesus see, believe, and understand that he's the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Then like Moses, Isaiah, Mary, Matthew, and Simon, they became witnesses and in service, in service to the one true king. So that, that should have the same effect in us. You know, I, I, have you ever just asked yourself, when's the last time I actually talked to somebody about Jesus? And I mean, for me, it's easy. You know, I talk about him every week. And, you know, does that give me a pass? You know, when's the last time outside of this of church that I talk to somebody about Jesus? And still, that's a that's kind of an easy one for me because people come to me because they know that I'm I'm a pastor. But, but what if before all of this stuff? What what if before all this stuff? You, you know, there was there was many years that I was leading small groups and I was doing all these different things, and it just wasn't I, I, it, I wasn't a you know a visible you know person in, in a church. You know, how often did I talk about Jesus outside of that that scenario when people didn't come to me knowing that I was a, a Jesus leader 
or, 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 or for some reason like that. You know, I can't say that I did nearly as much as I should have. What was that? Better do it while you can. There are opportunities. There are opportunities to share Jesus. You know, there's plenty of them out there, but it's it's just as as time goes by and and as we you know we we tend to have less interaction with people as we 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 get a little older and you know. But we need we need to share. We need to share where we can. We are we are commanded to. He's told us to be His witnesses. You know, the whole Great Commission: go into the world, go into the world. And what is he telling us to do? He's telling us to teach. Teach them. Make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's power. Amen. So let me, let me ask this. Of course, that 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 that, that invoked a, a, a good conversation. You know, you got you got to understand that you're both both believers. I have to ask this question. You know, if you if you don't share Jesus on even a somewhat regular basis, why not? And I'm not I'm not trying to call anybody out. Because I've been that guy. I've gone. I've gone long periods of time and not ever just you know open up a Jesus conversation with somebody. Why don't we? Are, are we ashamed? Are we scared? Ashamed is a scary thing because you know Jesus actually said that if you're ashamed of me before man, I'm going to be ashamed of you. You know when I talk to my father. And so being ashamed is a, is a dangerous thing. But what about scared? I think I think most believers, particularly when we first become believers, we got this fire, man. I mean, we got this zeal. It was it was shortly it was the first several years after I became a Christian, I was getting thrown out of malls for witnessing the people and and and, and just walking up to strangers and talking about Jesus. It's so easy to have this great zeal in the beginning. You know, especially when you realize, when you see that God has done something in your life. When I came to Christ, I didn't feel the need for Christ. I mean, I grew up in, in a church, you know, I was, I was that guy, hey, man, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I live in a garage, so I'm a car, you know, kind of thing. You know, I, I didn't feel the need to say, hey, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I, you know, I need you. You know, I didn't feel this need, but but I when, when God called my name, just like He did Matthew, and, and that's and that's why I can say that I, I don't even know I, I I don't know if Matthew saw or heard anything that happened with the paralytic, but I know when God called my name, I responded, and it was overwhelming. I, I mean, when I was a fish in that, and when I felt God on the back of my shoulder say, "Hey," I mean, it brought me to my knees. I mean, literally, I'm like. It's like, oh my! I'm not saying his name. I'm not saying his name in vain. I mean, it's literally like, oh my God! I've, I've been missing it. <laughs> I've been missing it. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's just like I, you know, I do need you. So when I know when God called my name, 
it was overwhelming and it demanded a response. And he got it. Here I am today. The, so maybe that was the deal with Matthew. But, but now let's fast forward 10 years. You, you know, I want, and this isn't a new thing. Why do you think that David said, restore to me the, the joy of my salvation? Because after a while, the newness wears off. Doesn't it? In, in a relationship with Christ? Should it? Absolutely, it should not. But does it? For, I think for many people it does. It did for me for a long time. When I was younger, I used to preach a lot. I, I mean, people actually would, 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 would actually invite me to come preach in places. I mean, the, went down to North Carolina one time. I got invited. All, that's how, Wilmington, North Carolina, my happy place. That's how it got to be my happy place. I, mean, I got invited as like a 19-year-old down to Wilmington, North Carolina to, 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 to preach a youth thing. And, and after a while, even leading people to the Lord got to be almost like, hey, hey cool, you, you know, somebody gave their life to the Lord. You, you know? So even the excitement of that, when you, when you, back in the day when I saw it a lot, it, it, it's, the luster wore off. You know, so is that maybe the reason that we don't share? Is that the reason we don't talk? Is it because... We're afraid, or is, is it just because maybe our excitement has is, is, is gotten a little bit down? Or is it maybe that, and I think this might be a big reason, life is just beating the snot out of us. And, and, and it, all of a sudden we start, we get so focused on our own stuff that, that we don't even think about talking about Jesus because we're focused on our own stuff. I, I, I don't know. And I think for every one of us, if we're in that spot, your answer is going to be different. And I can assure you, because I've been the guy who, who you know, for a period of time was, didn't get all that excited when I saw people come to Jesus because I'd seen it so much, or, or after you know, a, a decade, decade and a half of sharing Jesus, you know, just, you know, eh. you know I get it. I get it. Was that attitude in me right? Absolutely was not right. The, I shouldn't even have to. And I love the fact that David brings us up, restored to me the joy of my salvation, because he gets real. The sometimes the, the, the luster wears off. But I will tell you, if, if, if we on a daily basis wrapped our head around what Jesus did for us, I don't think that that would ever dull down. I don't think we would ever stop being excited. You, I re, if I truly remembered what it felt like being lost, you know, it's been since 1987, since I've been lost. Maybe if I remembered what that felt like before 1987, I'd be a little more excited. Or, or, maybe, or maybe if I, the, the, the existence of hell and the existence of dying people who are spiritually dead who are going to hell, if, if, if that would really be like a shot in my arm. Who is the, 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 the switchblade guy, the, uh, the, the guy with the, the gang guy, the cross and the switchblade? Wil Wilkerson? I can't think of his name. Bruce? Bruce, is it Bruce? Th this guy, Wilkerson, Bruce Wilkerson? This guy, when it really, he wrapped his head around the fact that the people were going to hell, it lit a fire under him. 
Well, figuratively speaking, <laughs> and lit a fire under him. You know, so wherever we are right now, if we don't ever talk to people about Jesus, we have to, this will be, to be his witness, we have to be, kind of do a self-reflection. Now, I know this is nowhere, this isn't anything what's in this, this book. But, but we are talking about witnessing. We are talking about being his witnesses. If we're not being his witnesses, we need to do a self-reflection as to why aren't we being his witnesses. You know, have, 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 do we need that spark lit in us again? Do we need the, the Holy Spirit to say, you know, give us that shot of fire again? Because I can tell you this, when, when, when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. So he, he's there. Uh, I mean, so if, if the fire's gone, it's not because of him. You know, he's, he's still the same, the same Holy Spirit that, that, that sparked the fire in you when you said, hey, Jesus, I need you. So is there a disconnect between you and the Holy Spirit? You know, do you need to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I need you, I need you to crank things up in me again. You know, I really, when I say I want to be like Jesus, I really want to be like Jesus. You, you know, do what it takes, you know, to get me motivated. You know, is that us? Are we scared? Are we scared of losing friends? Are we scared of losing family? Well, the reality is when you witness, you will. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, I am not the bed of roses, you know, preacher. You, you know, that all, oh, you know, you do this, everything's going to be okay. Life will be a bed of roses. When you start witnessing, you will lose friends. You may even lose family. And, and Jesus, why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What was he saying? I came to, I came to bring a division that comes from making a decision. Once I came, there's no, there's no walking the fence. It may, it may cause a division between you and your family. It may cause a division between you and your friends. But you have to decide now. There is no, now that Jesus has been here, there's no walking the fence. You know, and that sometimes that causes a division. So sometimes we might lose friends. I've lost friends over Jesus. And actually, and I talked about, I don't know if it was in here or, or at the pulpit, like in the last week or two, a buddy of mine from high school. We were close in high school. I, I, I was preaching at him all the time, sharing all the time. You, you know, we fell apart. We didn't even talk to one another for like 15 years. You know, you know, and then uh, he found me on Facebook, and we talk again every day again. He's a pastor. He's all these things. I, I, I mean, so, so sometimes, sometimes God, er, er, when we witness about our Father in heaven, sometimes it does cause division, but sometimes he even brings them back around. You, you know, God does some crazy, awesome things. He planted seeds. And that's very important. The Bible does tell us that that his word never returns void. What does that mean? What does that mean? Every time you share the word of God, it never falls void. It never, it's, it's never dead. It's never a dead seed on dead, in, in dead soil. Anytime that you speak the name of Jesus, every time you speak the, the word of God, you are planting something alive in somebody who may be dead. You may not ever see that thing grow into something. Who knows? They might even stamp that thing out itself. But nothing that you say, no 
never, any time if you've ever used the Word of God or spoken in the name of Jesus, it has never fallen dead. It never returns void. It always does something. And even in ministry, that's sometimes hard to see. You know, oh my goodness, children's ministry. You know, sometimes you get, it's really cool. You get kids and they'll get a fire lit them. Sometimes you feel like you're spending, I was used to be a children's pastor. You know, I get this. Sometimes you feel like you're banging your hand on the wall all the time and they're not even hearing you. It's like, why am I doing this, God? <laughs> but I'm, I'm telling you guys, your word, the, the, anytime you invoke the word of God in the name of Jesus, it doesn't return void. It sticks. And, if, and if, it, if it does fall void, then the Bible's wrong. And let me tell you what, the Bible's not wrong. So we need to... Uh, uh, Well, and pretty going to you know be put in a nursing home, which his mother was told he needed to do. She took care of him. He came out of the coma. He said that Christ in his life, okay, was real in his life, and so forth. He talked about that, and he told me as I was leaving, he said, "I really appreciate your talking with me about this. We don't know sometimes he may have needed to, you know." Absolutely. I was able to you know, share with him that Christ is the way, you know, so forth. I, you know, didn't leave it just as that, you know, I wanted to let him know that, you know, if you had Christ in life, is it real? You know, why and so forth. So anyway, but there was a there was a gentleman that, that when I left I had a really great feeling that I had opened up him because God provided me an opportunity. There have been other times that I haven't done it and I regretted it afterwards. So uh, opportunities come. It's always, it is not always, it's always best, yeah, always best to take that opportunity because you never know what some people are going through with. Uh, a lot of times we, you know, we do fear. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus, uh, we see in his his entire his entire earthly ministry, he was he was persecuted, you know, for speaking the truth and and, and you know, look at even we we see he was basically even run out of his hometown, you know, in Nazareth. I mean, he would, you know, he he's they they were ready to take him out there. And it's it's kind of so Jesus even had to you know he had to be careful about where he was and when he was there because you know he was always in danger for speaking truth and God does open up opportunities like that you know that very same that's very same scenario let's let's look at it in a in a different way of course that was a real story some people wear crosses because it's fashionable not so much now in the eighties it definitely was. I mean, Madonna was always wearing a cross. You think she lived a godly life? <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, so sometimes opening up a conversation about jewelry might be an open opportunity. You, you know, I wish I had a dollar for every conversation I got started by some of the strange stuff I wear. You, you, you know, the, you know, even just the Liberty shirts, you know, hey, man, I like your shirt because there's a lot of Liberty people. And, and then that opens up conversations about, hey, and, and I always follow with it, where you were a champion for Christ. Because that's, that's kind of the thing. That's Liberty saying champions for Christ. And, and I'll, whenever anybody points out a Liberty shirt, I'm like, hey, are you a champion for Christ? You, you know, because a lot of people go to Liberty that weren't Christians. You, you know, so it's, it, it's there's opportunities are there. Just just you have to pray to the, 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 the God that that, you know, when those opportunities rise, let me be brave to step through the door. Some of us get worried about, you know, what am I even going to say? Moses had that concern, but what am I going to say? You know, and, and, and what, what does God tell him? I'll put the words in your mouth. You, you know, don't worry about it. I, I, I got your back. He, and, and, that's, and, and God still does that today. You, you know, I've never heard the voice of God the way Moses clearly heard the voice of God. I was, you know, but it was still that, that, that Holy Spirit, you know, you know, push. I felt that, you know, where a situation, you know, rises and I I feel like the Holy Spirit's kind of like push me. Hey, say something, say something, say something or do this, do that. You know, so God still speaks to us in in these ways. I, I mean, there have been times that I've I've been talking about something or preaching about something, and I just feel the Holy Spirit just like, oh no, we're going to go this direction. Some of my rabbit trails aren't just rabbit trails. Sometimes it's a redirection. You know, sometimes they're just rabbit trails, <laughs> but but sometimes they are truly a redirection. And the Holy, we have to be sensitive for when opportunities rise. You know, when when we feel that you know when God's opening up doors, we want we need the we need to be brave enough to step up. And to walk into those opportunities, do that self-evaluation. You know, ask yourself, ask God, why don't I, why don't I talk about Jesus? You know, has the excitement worn off? You know, do I really not believe you are who you say you are? And that's another issue to deal with. You know, is the reason that I'm not sharing is you know because I, I'm not really sure how important it is. You know. But here, I'm going to leave Sunday school off with this thought, and we'll pick up, I think there's some questions next week. We'll pick up there. 
you were commanded in the Great Commission to share. And Jesus, Jesus even tells us, before he was ascended, you are my witnesses. And the Great Commission, he tells us to share. So think about this. If you don't share Christ with others, you are being disobedient, point blank. And disobedience is sin. So, so think about that. You know, just don't even just mull that around just a little bit. Just don't even say, well, you know, Greg, he's, he's, full, he's full of crap. You, you know, you may think that. That, that. That's okay. Many people think that. Sometimes I think that. But, if, 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 but think about this. If Jesus gave us a command to share and we don't share, is that not disobedience? And is not disobedience sin? Does it not cause separation between us and God? Is there maybe a correlation where if we're not feeling the joy of our salvation, could it be because we're not sharing Jesus? Because when we're not sharing Jesus, we're sinning. If I'm correct, if using my using my algebra there, if A equals B, B equals C, then A, you know, I've done that before in sermons. If if my logic is right, because Jesus gave us a command to to, to be His witnesses, and we aren't His witnesses, that's disobedience. That disobedience is sin. Sin causes separation. Maybe maybe if we're not feeling as excited as, as we once were. Maybe it's because we're not being his witnesses. That, 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 I, I think there's a huge connection that might be there. Something to, something to bang around in your head. Pray about this, this this week. It's not sharing Jesus' sin. And I've never even thought about it until now. I really haven't. This is, I just never really thought about it today. But when you think about this correlation, is not being his witness, is it a sin? And I would argue that it probably is. Because it's a command. You know, are you forgiven? Of course you're forgiven. You're forgiven of everything. It's not, this isn't a beat you up kind of thing. But we do want to strive to not sin. You know, that's, that's the whole sermon today. Romans 6. You, you know, it's being dead to sin and alive in Christ. You know, so we, so we want to try to not sin. So if, if not witnessing is a sin. That's something we really need to bring before the Father and say, hey, if Greg's, if Greg's thing that he was talking about, if, that, if that's true, help me fix this. That's repentance. Remember that repentance is? Agreeing with God that we're wrong and, and trying to change our direction. That's, that's the whole premise. That's the whole thing of what repentance is. To agree with God that we're wrong and, and to try to change directions. All righty. So let's, let's pray. Then we'll get ready for, for church. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this lesson. God, empower us to be your witness. You, you know, you, you've told us that, that that power would come, and we, we, we know that it did. The, the day of Pentecost, after the, after the resurrection, you know, the power to be your witnesses came. The Holy Spirit came. Lord, the Holy Spirit, he, He's always pointing people to you. God, the Holy Spirit that's in us, God, we just ask to just to let go of control and let the Holy Spirit use us to point people to you because we know that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We know that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. God, may we, may we surrender our own will. May we let down the pride. May we just let down all the things that stop us. God, if, 
if we're just not feeling it, God, restore, just like David, restore to us the joy of that salvation. If that disconnect is the fact that we don't share you, make us better about sharing you. We, we want to be excited again in our relationship with you. We, we want to understand and recognize and, and feel that you are our first love. God, we just ask that, that, that you do a miraculous thing in our lives, Lord. You can do it, Lord. Use us. Use us to impact the world around us. Use us, God, to further the kingdom of heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.